Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. We find ourselves hungry for many things that we believe will bring us satisfaction. The devil lays a bet that Jesus will jump at the chance for glory, fame, and the quick fix. Who wouldn't? But Jesus keeps up the pithy one-liners long enough that the tempter just has to slink away. What are the temptations that catch your ear? Singing out promises that your life should be more special than it is. What if ordinary life is already holy as is? In this message of the week from March 6th, we begin our Good Enough series with a message from Pastor Jen Tyler and what it looks like to live a holy enough life. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. you pray with me. Holy and loving God, as we gather and worship you this day, we ask that you would open our ears anew that we might hear you more clearly, open our eyes that we might see you more clearly, and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So as we've already mentioned today, we are jumping into our first weekend with this new sermon series that we started on Ash Wednesday, titled Good Enough, named after the devotional booklet by the same title. On Wednesday, during our Ash Wednesday service, we talked about how during this season, we at First Church want to invite you to focus not on some super Christian spiritual practice that's going to make you perfect, but instead to think about things that will be maintainable, to think about something that you're not going to drop the day Easter comes along because it was hard to keep up throughout the season. Instead, we want this to be a season for each of us of transformation, of taking small and sustainable steps that are, in fact, truly good enough. Now, personally, I have found this phrase really empowering already in this season, so much so that I will call out Pastor Abigail, who, when I said something was good enough this morning, she told me to stop it already. (laughs) Because sometimes there's freedom and not stressing about the details of things that are imperfect, right? Because I'm certainly someone who wants things to be perfect, or at least, well, I want certain things to be perfect. I want things like when we lead worship to be perfect, because certainly if I'm over here fiddling with my microphone, it's distracting, isn't it? I don't want you to have to think about the fact that I'm using a microphone. I want worship to be perfect, so our only focus is on God. Now, that takes lots of different forms. I have some examples of things that have been good enough this week. For example, uh, how about the fact that we have these printed devotional booklets in the back? And if anyone has picked one up, you'll notice that the way we printed them was not perfect. Uh, I noticed after I had printed about 15 of our booklets that the top corner of the page was cut off just enough that you couldn't see the day number that it was on. So there is both a date on every page of the booklet, which you can read just fine, 
But then in the upper left corner, it tells you it's day one or 20 or 32, and that number is cut off. And I was so focused on this being imperfect that I thought, well, maybe we should just reprint them, even though that would have been a couple of hundred pages of paper wasted. And instead, I thought to myself, you know what? It's good enough. Leave it. So I tell you, if you need a perfect one, let me know, and we can print you one. But really, it's good enough, isn't it? There's other little things that we talked about. Like, I noticed if you were here on Wednesday for worship, every time we gather and worship in the sanctuary, we light these candles. The candles that remind us of the light of Christ that is present with us in this space and in our lives. And yet, as I sat during the prelude and watched the candles get lit, I thought, oh my gosh, we forgot to fill the oil in the candles, and I wasn't sure they were going to stay lit through the whole service. And did anybody notice that how dim they were? Okay, I see some heads nodding. For me, it was really distracting, so much so that I thought, well, maybe since it's still only the prelude, I should just get up, blow them out, fill them, and relight them. And then I realized how ridiculous that is because what's truly more distracting? Me up front meddling when I shouldn't be or candles whose flames are a little shorter than we're used to? We know that these candles are only symbols of the light of Christ that's within and around us. And so truly, it was good enough. These are examples of things that aren't a big deal in the big scheme of life. These are not things that should distract us, that should keep us from being present or faithful or attentive to God. They were good enough just as they were. And so as I realized this, I decided to embrace the theme and to let it go and to let myself focus on worshiping God instead. Now, I want to share these examples because I wonder if you notice what I do in them. Because in both of these cases and dozens of others I could offer, the things that I was focused on, the things that were less than perfect that bothered me, were, well, they were things that were not of God, if we're honest but that I could have easily veiled as such. Do you have things in your life like that? I mean, for me, obviously I want worship to be amazing and meaningful every time, and I want all who will hear to know of the greatness of God. But do printing errors or dim candles really distract from that? Because sometimes I think we become so focused on the things that we can control or that we want to be able to control that we get distracted from the things that are meant to center us and to draw us closer to God. And that happens in both large and small ways throughout our lives as we find find ourselves hungry for what we think will bring us satisfaction. But the truth is, there is no satisfaction or quenching of that thirst outside of God. We know that embracing that truth and letting everything else be good enough, well, that's what it means to live a holy life, or at least to live a holy enough life, right? Which is to say that it honors God then, And it leaves room for improvement, even if that improvement 
doesn't have to come today. That's what we want this season to be about. And it's what today's scripture reading is about in part as well. Our scripture reading today is a story about the temptations of Jesus. As Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness in the moments immediately following his baptism, well, this scripture tells us how real and unforgiving sometimes the temptations both within and around us can be. I want you to hear these words from Luke chapter 4. Their words will be on the screen if you want to read along. These words tell us that Jesus returned from the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterwards Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, Since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, It's written, people won't live only by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him a single instant, in a single instant, all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus answered, it's been said, don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. Here ends our reading today. Friends, this story about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness is a story of contrast. Relatable contrast, I think, but contrast nonetheless. You see, it's a story that begins by telling us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit as he was led into the wilderness, but that at the end of the 40 days, it tells us he was literally starving. And so what a perfect opportunity then, isn't it, for Jesus to be tempted to turn the stone into bread to prove to all who would see that he is indeed the Son of God? Now, I like this example in scripture because I find it really easy to explain away or to justify if Jesus had made a different decision. God does not want anyone to starve. Of that, I am confident. And certainly we know that Jesus had the power to do something as simple as taking the stones in front of him and turning them into bread. And so why not? Does it really hurt anything? The other temptations that follow are similar. I mean, sure, we all know that we are not to worship anyone or thing other than God himself. But 
have you ever thought about all the good that could have come if Jesus were given worldly dominion over all of the kingdoms of the earth? I mean, he could go back and repent later, making right once he could do all that good, right? Do you hear how easy these stories could be to justify? But we know, of course, that that's not how it works. That God doesn't want us to do the wrong things for the right reason. God wants us to do the right things. One of the devotions in our book, Good Enough, speaks to this a bit as it says to us that we are less likely to commit any of the very dramatic sins like murder or arson, but instead we are more likely to live comforting half-lives of faithfulness. That, friends, those comforting half-lives of faithfulness, that is where we are called to do and to be better and to heed the story of Jesus. Because when Jesus was tempted with opportunities to take the easy road or to do the wrong things for good reasons, he chose to do the right thing anyway, even though it was harder. Because he knew that it would be better to honor God and to put his own needs beyond the needs of the whole. Because the truth is, our faith, it's personal, isn't it? It, We are the only ones who can control our own spiritual growth or who can set aside that time to grow in or grow closer to God. But we also know that faith happens in community. That is part of why we gather to worship together. Together, we know that we are called to serve God and to serve the whole and to love our neighbors. And to do less than that is not holy. And while none of us are going to get that right every single time, that doesn't mean that we can't live holy lives. In fact, living a holy life is so much more within reach than many of us could begin to imagine, even though it doesn't look the way that it should. Because holy lives look like doing the ordinary things we do every day. It's large and small moments alike. The big ones are easy to name, but what about those little ones? What about when we show up to celebrate the birth of a new child in our community? What about when we show up for someone else who's having a hard day, even though we're having a hard day too, because we want them to know that someone cares? What about when we show up, as some did this morning, half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour before worship, so that we can set the table for communion or practice with the musicians? What about those small ways that we choose to love God and to serve others? Or what about those ways that, you know, we take a moment, those moments that we take away to reflect on these everyday moments that you're having in your life, to center on God, whether those moments are beautiful and celebratory or they're chaotic and and difficult. In all of these moments, we know that living a holy life can be as simple as pausing long enough to breathe in the spirit of God that surrounds and sustains us. Now that 
doesn't mean that those holy moments are the beautiful, picturesque ones, and it doesn't mean that they only happen in those quiet moments. They can also look like those moments when we are wrestling with God and we're not sure that what we're supposed to do next, or maybe we are sure what God wants us to do and we don't want to do it. It also means that holy moments can happen when we say no to temptations the same as Jesus did. When we take the difficult road instead of the easy one, just as Jesus did. Because he knew that it was wrong to turn those stones into bread for the wrong reasons. And so there was a holiness in this moment of Jesus saying no. And, well, the truth is we could see good coming from a different answer, couldn't we? We could see good coming from making the right or the wrong choice for the right reasons. But to do other is to honor God and to live a holy life. And most of us are not going to sit face to face, tempted with someone who identifies with the devil and says, well, I'm the devil. Why don't you do this? But we do see temptations in other ways in our lives, don't we? Or we face decision after decision after sometimes exhausting decisions when we have to figure out how to stay on track and to know how to honor God with our lives. In part, we know we are able to do this by leaning on the truths that Jesus gives to us here. Because Jesus was able to give this clear answer that says, no, I will not be tempted, because Jesus was already living a life that was content in God. And when I talk about being content, I don't mean content like fine with the status quo and thus failing to seek growth any more than that's how I mean the phrase good enough. What I do mean, though, is that he was content in God because he was full of the peace of God. And for Jesus, that meant that when things were difficult or life was unsure or temptations were overwhelming, he did not have to look beyond what was already inside him to find peace or hope or courage. He knew that it was already within him because the living spirit of God was already within him. And the faithful trust of God that that brewed up within him allowed him to be content in a way that's hard to fully describe or explain, if we're honest. But it isn't a kind of contentment that just means he was moderately satisfied. As much as I think it meant he was able to embrace and live into something that I think is best described as the opposite of a desire, because truthfully, that's what a temptation is, right? It's when we desire something that we know we can't or shouldn't have. Desire tends to bring an endless sort of hunger from within us, but contentment, it's more about that feeling you get when you're full. Not like so stuffed you're uncomfortable, but you're properly satiated, and you've had more than enough, and you know that it is good. To be content in God is to be satiated with the Spirit of God that fills us in this way. And it comes in lots of ways, whether it's those community examples we've already offered or can be seen in the joy of meeting someone face-to-face -face that you haven't seen in a long time. 
You know that feeling of satisfaction and joy that comes in that moment? Or maybe the kind of you're like me and some of that contentment and joy in my life comes when I can sit on a quiet morning where I got up late and I am able to sit and cherish the perfect cup of coffee as I thank God for a new day. To live a life of contentment in some of these ways is is really truly to live a holy life. To allow these moments of contentment to spill over into every part of our being as we seek to live lives that are full of God. As we trust in God in all things and the big ones and the small ones and the things in between, the everyday things. That, friends is where the real challenge of becoming faithful and being holy enough, that's where that comes. Because we're called not to just live holy lives when we walk into church on a Sunday morning and we want to put our best feet forward. But we're called to live holy enough lives when we honor God in those small moments in between. In the conversations we have with a stranger, maybe how we respond instead of road rage on our drives. We are called to honor God and to live holy enough lives by embracing the invitation to hear and to know and to live in such a way that not only do you know, but the world around us does, that God is with us in all things. And so to live holy enough or good enough lives in this way is to know that God meets us where we are. So much so that that's a truth we want to celebrate here even in worship. Because I believe that God meets us in all the places in our lives and that part of the reason we draw together is to live into the holiness of our faith together. And one of the many ways that we are able to do that is to share in the physical partaking of the body of Christ that we are invited into. And so in a moment here, we're going to do that as we share together in holy communion, in the gift of God's grace being freely given unto each and every one of us. Friends, as we prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives anew in this moment to honor our holy enough lives that God invites us into, let us first take a moment to pray and to reflect as we offer our holy enough lives over to God. Let us pray. Holy God, We thank you for the reminder that you are with us in large and small ways. We thank you for the reminder of the temptations of Jesus that assure us that we are never alone, even when we are facing difficult decisions, even when we are unsure what direction to go. We know, oh God, that you are there with us and that you long for us to honor you with every word we speak, every step we take, and every decision we make. Help us, O God, to live holy enough lives that honor you through these acts. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. 
This has been the First Church Message of the Week.